in the middle of a bit of a transition period from the, the mission and vision that we had under our previous pastor, and a new pastor will almost certainly bring a new vision and, and will help us to establish, you know, what the mission of the, of, you know, the, the church will be going forward. And so I wanted to take this opportunity in the middle of the series that we're currently uh, talking about, uh, which is a crisis of context, to, to really sort of focus in on how that all ties together. Um, so we've talked about the importance of reading scripture as the way God reveals himself to us, right? And we've talked about how it's important to know what section of scripture you're in so that, so that it makes sense, sort of what you're reading in a greater context of the Bible. And we talked last week uh, about Philippians 4 and about some verses that people tend to take out of context. And I wanted to take an opportunity to sort of pivot from that into a section where we were talking about what not to do. And this week I want to talk about what to do. So um, we, we, we read last week the verse, I can do all things through him who strengthens me. And we looked at that in context, and, and we, we talked about how what that's really referring to is, you know, being content in any and every situation, right? Of, of having that strength to get through what Paul was going through, right? Paul was in jail for preaching the gospel. The church at Philippi had sent folks to minister to him. They brought him some much-needed supplies. They were checking up on him, and he was very grateful for that. And so he was, he was sending this letter as a thank-you letter to them. And as I kept reading through that section of Philippians, I ran across another verse, which was just about six chapter or six verses down from this one in 419. And it reads, And my God will meet all your needs according to the riches of his glory in Christ Jesus. And it's one of those verses that I also hear taken out of context, but I want to point out that it doesn't read, And my God will meet all your desires according to the riches of Christ Jesus. That is not, in fact, what I said. I appreciate the laugh. Somebody saw the, 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 cap, the, the uh, uh, translation I used there, yes. Uh, <clears throat> no, it's that some people seem to want to use this verse to, 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 to show that Jesus is some kind of, you know, genie in a magic lamp that will grant all of your wishes. And I, I would say that this verse is not about that. If, if you want a genie and a magic lamp that grants your wishes, find a good AI program. They're good at granting wishes, especially if your wish is, I would like a picture of Jesus in a magic lamp that looks like he's about to grant your wishes. That's just spooky. Thank you, doll E. Anyway, let's get back to that verse. Um, and my God will meet all your needs according to the riches of his glory in Christ Jesus. Now, if you read the section just above this, in between what we talked about last week and, and this one, you'll, you'll see that Paul lists a whole bunch of ways that the church at Philippi had been going about meeting his needs, right? Things that they had done that showed how generous they were. And it sort of struck me as I was reading through that, that I am really grateful to this church, to all of you guys, because you guys are unbelievably generous. You're generous with your experience. You're generous with your money. You're generous with your time. You're a generous church. And I, I've been on the board for like 
almost 20 years now, uh, the, the board for this church, and, and I've seen some amazing examples of this. And I'm not going to embarrass people by, you know, saying specific examples or, or, or things like that, but, but it did occur to me that this is a perfect place for the topic I wanted to talk about today. Um, because as we're looking at going into the next chapter for what this church is, is going to look like, a lot of folks here have the default reaction of, how can I help, right? That's your default reaction to so many things. Oh, someone is sick, I will cook them a meal and deliver it to their house. Oh, somebody lost a job, I'm gonna go buy groceries for them and bring them groceries. Oh, somebody's going through a really rough time, I am going to faithfully check up on them, make sure it's not more than they can handle. You are a generous church, and that's just a few things you've done for me personally. Right? There are story after story after story that we could talk about for this. Now, as we're going into a new chapter, as we have somebody who's going to be bringing in a new vision, somebody that's going to be you know, maybe a different leader, they're going to have new ministry opportunities available for us. You know, Things that maybe we wouldn't have seen on our own. And that's great, right? Because I know the default reaction of people is, how can I help, right? Um, so I, I thought it might be helpful for me to share some of my reflections on what I've seen here and, and also to just tell you guys you're doing a good job of living out the gospel in context. You guys really get it. You get scripture. You understand what it means to love one another. Um, but it, what's that? Amazing. You're amazing. Yes, yes, yes. Um, so, so, so one thing that, that I did want to call out, though, is that um, we, we talk about this word ministry a lot. And, um, you know, there's a lot of definitions for ministry. I think within the church, we tend to focus on one aspect of ministry, you know, like, oh, that person is studying for the ministry, right? Meaning somebody's going to be a, a career pastor or something like that. But today I wanted to focus on something different which is the concept of ministry as carried out by each and every one of us, right? Anyone can do, can do ministry, right? Whether you're a Christian or just curious about Christianity, I, at the risk of boring people with etymology, ministry comes from a French word that you can track back to the Greek for to serve. Anyone is capable of serving somebody else. If you do that, as a Christian or as a, you know, in, in the spirit of doing something for God, we just call that ministry. So it's kind of a fancy word. It just means serving people in the name of God, right? So a while back, we had a guest speaker who put a slide up on the screen that said, what is your ministry? And I wanted to come back to that slide, and, and I wanted to sort of tweak it slightly and ask the question, how are you serving? Because again, whether you're a Christian or not, anyone can serve, right? And, and, and that's great, but I know there are barriers to service, right? There are things that get in the way of us being able to serve other people. Um, you know, if you recently became a Christian, you may remember there were some barriers you had to overcome, you know, in order to, to, to do so. Uh, if you've ever participated in a ministry for the first time, whatever that happens to be. I'm going to lead a Bible study. I'm going to sing on a worship team. I'm going to stand up and preach to people. You probably know there are barriers that you have to overcome. So, so what I wanted to do is discuss some of those. 
since we're going to be going into a time where somebody might be bringing us opportunities we haven't considered before. So, so the kind of barriers I want to talk about, there, there's a bunch of them. Uh, you don't have to read them all. I'm going to go through them one at a time here. I want to start here. I'm not qualified to do that ministry. I would estimate 99% of people that start doing some kind of service, when they begin, don't feel qualified to do it, right? Like the first time you stand up and preach in front of somebody, you probably don't feel qualified. Okay, I didn't feel qualified the first time I did this. But uh, I went back and looked through uh, my collection of talks that I've given, messages, sermons that I've done. I've done almost a half a year worth, like 25 that I've done at this point. It's like, oh, that's a lot of those. I wouldn't say I'm good at it, but I would say I'm a lot more comfortable now than I was when I first started, right? Um, and, and I think that's sort of an important thing to understand when it comes to ministry. You don't have to feel qualified. God doesn't want us to be perfect. God wants us to be willing, right? It is absolutely human to make mistakes. And let's see, are you all human here? Are there any androids? Your phone doesn't count. Uh, yes, you're all human. Okay, so, so it's okay to make mistakes. Yes, that is perfectly acceptable. Um, now, if you think you might be able to do a thing, but you're like, well, I don't know. I, I, I would encourage you to try it, right? If it turns out that it doesn't work out that great for you, try something else, right? It's an opportunity for growth. If you just sit back and never try anything, you never take advantage of that opportunity for growth. Don't let, I don't know, stop you from doing the good works that God wants to do through you. Shout out to last week's passage in Ephesians, right? For we are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. God has amazing things that he wants to do through every single one of us. We got to be willing. That's, that's a pretty big honor right there, I would say. Um, let's look at the next one here. I don't know enough to teach a Sunday school class or a Bible study. I get that one, especially if you've been listening to some of the, uh, some of the messages that I've been giving this last few weeks. A lot of people are probably going, oh, there's a lot more to that. I don't know. I'm not qualified to do that. Hey, good news. There are people that have spent decades reading through Scripture, understanding the context, and distilling the points of Scripture down into curriculum that you can use to teach a Sunday school class or lead a Bible study. Literally, all you have to do is like spend an hour or two reading through some material and then talk about that material with people. Or to put it another way, if you've ever talked about a movie with your friends, you're qualified to lead a Bible study. It's, it's basically the same idea. Um, you know, as a church, we can help you find curriculum if you think this is something you're called to do. We'll help put, in, you know, put things in front of you that can give you the resources you need to make that a successful ministry. I also, I also hear this one from time to time. Someone else is better suited to do that than I am. Think about that for a minute. At the risk of destroying your ego, there are eight billion plus people on this planet. There is not a single thing you do where you are the best person at it from a probability standpoint, 
right? Other than maybe being you, <laughs> right? Would you like to live in a world where there was one person who did open heart surgery because they were the best at it? There are plenty of people who are good at it. And if I have a heart attack, I don't want to get on a waiting list of six billion people to have that one guy help. But no, I'll find somebody that's good, <laughs> right? Or brain surgery or cooking. Imagine living in a world where only one person, well, they're the best at cooking. Why would I try, right? When it comes to ministry, it's sort of the same idea. You don't have to be the best at it, right? There is absolutely somebody better at it than you, right? I am not the most qualified person to be standing up here doing this particular message. I'm just willing, right? So, especially when you start. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. Don't let that stop you. How about this one? I'm a terrible person. I shouldn't be a part of that ministry. <laughs> I hear cackles. Um, I, I will say up front, there are some ministries that not everyone can participate in, right? It would be very awkward for me to try and lead a ladies' ministry, for example, because I am not a ladies, uh, you, you know. And, and there are other reasons why people shouldn't be involved in certain ministries, you, you, you know. And, and, and everyone knows what those things are. But don't let I'm a terrible person stop you from exploring what God wants to do through you, right? If God has put something on your heart, don't just say, well, I'm going to have to wait until I'm not a terrible person anymore. Because deep down, a whole lot of us continue to feel like we're still terrible people, right? Even after we're participating in all of these different ministries that we're doing, so yeah, don't, don't let that stop you. It's an opportunity for growth. And maybe the way God wants to make you a slightly less terrible person is to have you participate in one of these ministries, right? Um, just sort of as, as an idea there. Uh, another one is, is this one. I'm waiting for someone to invite me. I think my advice on this one is don't. Uh, you know, don't wait for somebody to invite you. If God has placed something on your heart, if God says, hey, this is a particular thing I want you to do, find a way to do it. If we don't have an opportunity for that particular ministry here, find a place that does, right? Don't let your current circumstance stop you from acting on the things God is trying to get you to do, right? The biggest thing you're going to have to overcome is your inertia at that point. The last one I wanted to talk about is basically the elephant in the room, especially in the Bay Area, right? I'm too busy to do any ministry. Uh, so show of hands, who has tons and tons and tons of free time on their hands all day? Every, yeah, I didn't think so, right? We, we, we tend to be pretty busy around here. Um, I heard a sermon a while back from a very wise uh, individual who said, one of the easiest things to do is to schedule time into your day to do nothing, which then gives you an opportunity to be ready to respond when God asks you to do something, which is an interesting way to think about that. But I would also suggest to you that of all the resources you have, time is your greatest treasure. It is the least renewable resource in your life right? Can, can, can you add 
a whole bunch of extra hours and minutes and seconds to your life. Well, there's some things you could do. You could eat healthy. You can exercise. You can extend your life a little bit. But none of us know how many hours or days we have left, right? Time is your greatest treasure. And I would suggest that where your treasure is, that is where your heart is. And of course, because of the message I gave last week, I'm pretty sure somebody has spotted something up here that made them snicker. Anybody? Four. Yeah, yeah, the word four. Yeah, anytime you see four, oh, you got to, oh, wait, what was that about? So, so, so I did want to make sure that I was consistent and go back and look at this in context so that we could make sure that it's not, you know, that, that, that we're not making the, the scripture say something it's not. So here's the context for that scripture. Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moths and vermin destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but store up for yourself treasures in heaven where moths and vermin do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. I don't think there's anything in there that precludes us from asserting that time is a treasure that we really need to take seriously, right? Where are you spending your time? Where are you spending that resource? That is indicative of where your heart is. So as we're transitioning into a different time under a different leader that's going to have a different vision, that's going to offer different ministry opportunities for us, I wanted to have us take an opportunity to close in prayer and think about what your barriers are that are preventing you, right? You specifically from getting involved in some ministry. So let me pray for us here. God, thank you for an opportunity to continue on beyond the previous chapter for this church. Thank you for such a generous church, for people that are so generous with their time and with their resources. I pray that you would open our eyes to the barriers that we are putting in front of ourselves that prevent us from doing the works you have prepared for us. We pray for the new pastor, whoever that might be, that you would begin preparing that vision that they're going to be bringing to us. We pray that you would open our hearts to whatever that vision is. Help us to buy in to the new ministry opportunities that are coming and to not let the barriers we throw up in front of ourselves be what block us from doing the good works that you want us to accomplish. We pray that you would bring us a renewed sense of purpose and a fresh energy. And as we read scripture throughout the week, help us to see how you are revealing yourself to us. 